0: CHAPTER One: THE BOOK Ho Chi Minh City In the summer, sweltering by anyone's standards, needless to say, Artemis Fowl would not have been willing to put up with such discomfort if something extremely important had not been at stake. Something important to the plan. Sun did not suit Artemis. He did not look well in it. Long hours indoors in front of a computer screen had bleached the glow from his from his skin— He was as white as a vampire and almost as testy in the light of day. I hope this isn't another wild goose chase, Butler, he said, his voice soft and clipped, especially after Cairo. It was a gentle rebuke. They traveled to Egypt on a word from Butler's informant. No, sir, I'm certain this time. Wynne is a good man. Hmm, droned Artemis, unconvinced. Passerbys would have been amazed to hear that the large Eurasian man referred to the boy as Sir. This was, after all, the third millennium. But this was no ordinary relationship, and these were no ordinary tourists. They were sitting outside a curbside café on Don Khan Street, watching the local teenagers circle the square on mopeds. Wind was late, and the pathetic patch of shade provided by the umbrella was doing little to improve Artemis's mood. But this was just his daily pessimism. Beneath the sulk was a spark of hope. Could this trip truly and actually lead results? Would they find the book? It was actually too much to hope for. A waiter scurried to their table. "'More tea, sirs?' he asked, his head bobbing furiously. Artemis sighed, spare me the theatrics, and sit down. The waiter turned instinctively to Butler, who was, after all, the adult. But, but, sir, I'm the waiter. Artemis tapped the table for attention. You're wearing handmade loafers, a silk shirt and three gold signet rings. Your English has a tinge of Oxford about it, and your nails have the softest sheen of recently being manicured. You are not a waiter. You are our contact, Wyn Juan, and you have adopted this pathetic disguise to discreetly check for weaponry. Wyn's shoulders sagged. It is true. Amazing. Hardly a ragged apron does not a waiter make. Gwyn sat pouring some mint tea into a tiny china cup. Let me fill you in on the weapons, Satis, continued Artemis. I am unarmed, but butler, butler here, my, um, uh, Butler, has a sig soger in his shoulder holster, two strike throwing knives in his boots, a derringer two shot up his sleeve, a, a garret wire in his watch, three stun grenades concealed in various pockets, and anything else, Butler? A kosh, sir. Oh, yes. A good old ball-bearing cosh stuffed down his shirt. Wyn brought the cup to his trembling lips. Do not be alarmed, Mr. Wan, Artemis smiled. The weapons will be not used on you. Wyn did not seem reassured. No, continued Artemis, butler could kill you a hundred different ways without using his weapons, though I'm sure one of them would be quite sufficient. Wyn was now thoroughly spooked. Artemis generally had this effect on people. A pale adolescent, speaking with authority, and a vocabulary of a powerful adult. Wynne had heard the name Fowl before, who hadn't in the international underworld. But he had assumed he'd be dealing with Artemis Sr., not this boy. Though the word boy hardly seemed to do this gaunt individual justice, and the giant butler, it was obvious that he could snap a man's backbone like a twig with those mammoth hands. Wynne was starting to think that no amount of money was worth another minute in this strange company. And now to business, said Artemis, placing a micro-recorder on the table. You answered our web advertisement? Wynne nodded, suddenly praying that his inform— informant and information was accurate. Yes, mas- Mr. Masters Fowl, um, you're looking for um, yeah, what, what you're looking for. Yes, I know where it is. Really? And I'm supposed to take your word for this? You could be walking us in, straight into a trap, an ambush. My family is not without enemies. Butler snatched a mosquito out of the air beside his employer's ear. No, 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 said Wynne, reaching for his wallet. Here, look. Artemis studied the Polaroid. He willed his heart to maintain a calm beat. It seemed promising, but anything could be fake these days with a PC and a flatbed scanner. The picture showed a hand reaching out from a layered shadow. A molted, green hand. Hmm, he murmured. Explain. This this woman, she's a healer near Tau Du Street. She works in exchange for rice wine. She's all the time drunk. Artifice nodded. This made sense. The drinking, one of the few constant facts he, his research had unearthed. He stood, pulling the creases from the white, his white polo shirt. Very well. Lead on, Master Wan. Wynne wiped the sweat from his stringy mustache. Information only. That was the agreement. I don't want any curses on my head. "'Butler expertly gripped the informant behind his neck. "'I'm sorry, Mr. Wan, but the time when you had a choice in the matter has long passed.' "'Butler steered the protesting Vietnamese man to the rented four-wheel drive. "'It was hardly necessary on the flat streets of Ho Chi Minh City, or Saigon, as the locals still called it, "'but Artemis preferred to be insulated from civilians as much as possible.' The jeep inched forward at a painfully slow rate, made all the more excruciating by the anticipation building in Artemis's chest. He could suppress it no longer. Could they at last be at the end of their quest? After six false alarms across three continents, could this wine-sodden healer be the gold at the end of the rainbow? Artemis almost chuckled. <laughs> gold at the end of the rainbow. He'd made a joke. Ah, now there's something that didn't happen every day. The mopeds parted like fish in a giant bowl. There seemed to be no end to the crowds. Even the alleyways were full of t- bursting with vendors and hagglers. Cooks dropped fish heads into workers' walks of hissing oil, and urchins treaded their way underfoot, searching for unguarded valuables. Others sat in the shade, wearing, wearing out their thumbs on Game Boy's. Wynn was sweating right through his khaki top. It wasn't the humidity he was used to that. It was this whole cursed situation. He should have known better than to mix magic and crime. He made a silent promise that if he ever got out of this, he would change his ways. No more answering shady internet requests, and certainly no more consorting with sons of European crime lords. The jeep could go only so far. Eventually, the side streets grew too narrow for the four-wheel drive. Artemis turned to Wynne. "'It seems we must proceed on foot, Mr. Wan. Run if you'd like, but expect a sharp and fatal pain between your shoulder blades, if you do.' Wynne glanced into Butler's eyes. There was a deep blue, almost black, in color. There was no mercy in those eyes. "'Don't don't worry,' he said. "'I, I, I won't run.' They climbed down from the vehicle. A thousand suspicious eyes followed their progress along the steaming alley. An unfortunate pickpocket attempted to steal Butler's wallet. The manservant broke the men's fingers without looking down. They were given a wide berth after that. The alley narrowed into a rutted lane. Sewage and drain pipes fed directly on to the muddied surface. Cripples and beggars huddled on rice mats. Most of the residents of this lane had nothing to spare, with exception of the three. Well, demanded Artemis, where is she? Wynne jabbed a finger towards a black triangle beneath a rusted fire escape. There, under there, she never comes out. Even to buy rice spirit, she sends a runner. Now, now can I go? Artemis didn't bother answering. Instead, he picked his way across the puddle lane to the lee of the fire escape. He could could discern some movements in the shadows. Butler, could you please hand me the goggles? Butler plucked a set of night-vision glasses from his belt and placed them in Artemis's outstretched hand. The focus motor buzzed to suit the light. Artemis fixed the glasses to his face. Everything became radioactive green. Taking a deep breath, he turned his gaze to the squirming shadows. Something squatted on a raffia mat. Shifting uneasily in the most almost non-existent light, Artemis fine-tuned the focus. The figure was small, abnormally so, and wrapped in a filthy, filthy shawl. Empty spirit jugs were half-buried in the mud around her, "'One forearm, forearm poked out from the material. "'It seemed green, but then so did everything else. Madame, he said, "'I have a proposition for you.' "'The figure's head wobbled sleepily. "'Wine,' she rasped, "'her voice like nails on a char- school chalkboard. "'Wine, English.' "'Artemis smiled. "'The gift of tongues, check. "'Aversion to light.' checked irish actually now about my proposition the healer shook her bony finger craftily wine first then talk butler the bodyguard reached into his pocket and drew out a half pint of the finest Irish whiskey artemis took the bottle and held it out teasingly beyond the shadows he barely had time to remove his goggles when a claw like hand darted from the gloom and snatched the whiskey. A mottled green hand, and there was no doubt. Artemis swallowed a triumphant grin. Pay our friend, Butler, in full. And remember, Mr. Juan, this is between us. You don't want Butler to come back, do you? Oh, no, no, Master Farrell. My lips are sealed. They had better be or Butler will seal them permanently. Wynne skipped off down the alley, so relieved to be alive that he didn't even bother counting the, the shelf of U.S. currency. Most unlike him. In any event, it was all there, all $20,000. Not bad for a half hour's work. Artemis turned back to the healer. Now, nah, madam, you have something that I want. The healer's tongue caught a drop of alcohol at the corner of her mouth. Yes, Irish, sore head, bad tooth, I heal. Artemis replaced the night vision goggles and squatted to her level. I am perfectly healthy, madame, apart from the slight Durstmite allergy, and I don't even think you can do anything about that. No, what I want from you is your book. book she said cautiously, I don't know about no book. I am healer. You want a book? Go to library. Artemis sighed with exaggerated patience. You are no healer. You are a sprite. A pogadusha, a fairy, a kundunkan. Whichever language you prefer to use. And I want your book. For a long moment, the creature said nothing. Then she threw back her shawl from her forehead. In the green glow of the night-vision goggles, her features leapt at Artemis like a Halloween mask. The fairy's nose was long and hooked under two stilted golden eyes, and her ears were pointed, and the alcohol addiction had melted her skin like putty. "'If you know about the book, human,' she said slowly, fighting the numbing effects of the whiskey, "'then you know about the magic I have in my fists. I can kill you with the snap of my fingers.' Artemis shrugged. I think not. Look at you. You are near dead. The rice wine has dulled your senses. Reduced to healing warts. Pathetic. I'm here to save you. In return for the book. And what could a human want with our book? That is no concern of yours. All you need to know are your options. The sprite's pointed ears quivered. Uh, Options? One. You refuse to give us the book, and we go home, leaving you to rot in your sewer. Ah, yes, said the fairy, I choose this option. Ah, no, don't be so eager. If we leave without the book, you will be dead in a day. A day? A day? the healer laughed. I will outlive you by a century. Even fairies tethered to the human realm can survive for ages. Not with that half a pint of holy water inside them, said Armus, Tapping the now empty whiskey bottle. The fairy blanched and then screamed a high keeling horrible sound. Holy water, you have murdered me, human. True, Artemis admitted. It should start to burn at any on any minute now. The fairy poked at her stomach tentatively. The second option? Listening now, where are we? Very well when very well then. Option two You give me the book for thirty minutes only, and then I return your magic to you. The sprite's jaw dropped. Return my magic? Not possible. Oh, but it is. I have in my possession two antidotes. One, a vial of spring water from a fairy well 60 meters below the Ring of Tara, possibly the most magical place on earth, and this will counteract the holy water. And the other. And in the other is a little shot of man-made magic, a virus that feeds on alcohol mixed with the growing agent. It will flush every drop of rice wine from your body, remove the dependence, and even bolster your failing liver. It will be messy, but after a day, you'll be zipping around as though you were a thousand years old again. The sprite licked her lips. To be able to rejoin the people, tempting... How do I know to trust you, human? You have tricked me once already. Good point. Here's the deal. i give you the water on faith. And then after I've had a look at the book, you get the bolster. Take it or leave it. The fairy considered. The pain was already curling around her abdomen. She thrust out her wrist. I'll take it. I have thought you might. Butler? The giant man servant unwrapped a salt velcroed case containing a syringe gun and two vials. He loaded the clear one, shooting it into the sprite's clammy arm. The fairy stiffened momentarily, then relaxed. Ah, <sighs> strong magic, she breathed. Yes, but not as strong as your own will be when I give you the second injection. Now, the book. The sprite reached into the folds of her filthy robe, rummaging for an age, and Artemis held his breath. This was it. Soon the fowls would be great again. A new empire would rise, with Artemis' fowls and the second at its head. The fairy woman withdrew a closed fist. This is no use to you anyway, written in the old tongue. Artemis nodded, not trusting himself to speak. She opened her knobbly fingers, and lying on her palm was a tiny golden volume the size of a matchbook. Here, human, 30 minutes, and no more. Butler took the tiny tome reverently. The bodyguard activated a compact digital camera and began photographing each wafer-thin page of the book. The process took several minutes, and when he was finished, the entire volume was stored on the camera's clip. Artemis preferred not to take chances with information. Airport security equipment had been known to wipe many a vital disk, so he instructed his aide to transfer the file to his portable phone and from there emailed it to Foul Manor in Dublin. Before the thirty minutes were up, the file containing every single symbol of the fairy book was sitting safely on the Foul server. Artemis returned the tiny volume to its owner. Nice doing business with you. The spirit lurched to her knees. The other potion, human. very well but before we administer it i must warn you that the purging is not pleasant you are not going to enjoy this one bit the fairy gestured around her and then on all the filth you think i enjoy this i want to fly again butler loaded the second vial shooting this one straight into the carotid artery the sprite immediately collapsed on the mat her entire frame quivering violently and now it's time to leave commented artemis a hundred years of alcohol leaving the body by any means possible is not a pretty sight the butlers had been serving the fowls for centuries it had always been that way indeed there were several element linguistics of the opinion that it is how the common noun was originated the first record of this unusual arrangement was when virgil butler had been contracted as a servant bodyguard, and cook for lord hugo de foyle one of the first gener- first great nor- norman crusaders at the age of 10 butler children were sent to a private training center in israel where they were taught the specialized skills necessary to guard the latest in the foul line these skills included cordon bleu cooking marksmanship and a customized blend of martial arts emergency medicine and information technology If, at the end of their training, there was not a fowl to guard, then the butlers were eagerly snapped up as bodyguards for various royal personages, generally in Monaco or Saudi Arabia. Once a fowl and a butler were put together, they were paired for life. It was a demanding job and lonely, but the rewards were handsome if you survived to enjoy it. If not, then your family received a six-figure settlement plus a monthly pension. The current butler had been guarding young master Artemis for twelve years, since the moment of his birth, and, although they adhered to the age-old formalities, they were much more than master and servant. Artemis was the closest thing butler had had to a friend, and butler was the closest thing Artemis had to a father, a a bit one that obeyed orders. Butler held his tongue until they were aboard the he threw a connection from Bangkok, then he asked. Artemis? Artemis looked up from his screen of his power book. He was getting a head start on the translation. Yes. The Sprite. Why didn't we simply keep the book and leave her to die? A corpse is evidence, Butler. My way, the people will have no reason to be suspicious. But The Sprite. Well, I hardly think she will confess to showing humans the book. In any case, I mixed a slight amnesiac into her second injection. When she finally wakes up, the last week will be a blur. Butler nodded appreciatively. Always two steps ahead, that was Master Artemis. People said that he was a chip off the old block. They were wrong. Master Artemis was a brand new block, the likes of which never had been seen before. But his doubts... So, his doubts calmed down. Butler returned to his copy of Guns and Ammo, leaving his employer to unravel the secrets of the universe.